Hello out there, ladies. It's Rochelle with another episode of Unabashed You, where we as women get to talk about stuff. Unabashed You is women talking about stuff. It's a place where we can be uniquely ourselves without apology. We want to be wise, to know our worth, and to enjoy whimsy. We are visiting the Enneagram today. I asked Aaron to use characters or real people to help illustrate the different personalities so that we might see them more clearly, plus it was just plain fun, and we love that. Aaron chose a cast of friends and a few other famous people sprinkled in to show us the different personality types. I even took a guess at one point. See what you think. Welcome back, Erin. As promised this week, we will be focusing on the Enneagram and its uses. First, let's start with what is it? Because not everybody knows what it is. What is it? So the Enneagram is a personality typing, um, and it covers each one of us, for example, kind of looks through life with a different lens, if you will. Okay. And so this breaks down, it's an ancient tool that breaks down kind of basically nine personality types, and once we go through it, you'll be like, oh, you'll typically find what your type is, and, and then you come to realize, wow, I never, someone's actually describing my inner world. And it's a tool that can help you understand yourself, understand your relationships. It can help you with, you know, some numbers tend to suffer from anxiety or lack of motivation. So it can help you in any area of, in your life, work. Um, But I think it's mostly understanding yourself and then understanding the people that are in your life, maybe your family dynamics or maybe your coworkers. So it is a tool just for personal growth and insight, but it can really uh, take you into whatever area that you may be struggling with or have a blind spot. That's, that's, that helps me a lot. Why is it so popular right now, being that it, it is an ancient tool that dates back to the 4th century originally? Why is it so popular? I think it has been around for a while. The people that understand the Enneagram have used it and have kind of geeked out on it for a while. And I think it, it, I don't really know exactly when it started to explode, but I think when people have discovered it and used it, they found the value in it. And I think that's where the explosion comes from. And it's much more practical than say something like a Myers-Briggs. So you have different personality tests out there like strengths finder which helps you find your strengths and the myers-briggs but the myers-briggs is basically how the world sees you the enneagram is how you see the world Mm. so it just started to explode because people were kind of having these ahas for themselves and then in their relationships and then now uh corporate you know, if people are having Enneagram coaches come in and help them with their team, because when you understand your team's dynamics, then you can really kind of add that piece of emotional intelligence and understand each other. So you're like, okay, they work better when they have some alone time 
or you know this type thrives in like group energy settings so we want to really get her in on these meetings or you know so once you understand your team then you're able to get the most productivity or connection or value out of each person on your team so in the corporate world is I mean in the personal world or personal growth it's booming psychologists are starting to use Enneagram in their practice as well so it you mentioned last week that you are finding it very useful in your work as a life coach and now any Enneagram coach so do you I'm imagining that you use it to a certain degree depending on the client and their openness to it, et cetera. Yeah, I I kind of fill them out first to see if it's something that would be useful in what I'm coaching and supporting them in. And then, um, because oftentimes I can quickly even see that their number is maybe getting in their way (laughs) or if they understood their number, this would really help with themselves and their growth of or even maybe a relationship that they're coming to me about a relationship um, challenge or conflict that they're having. And so I will ask them, you know, have you heard of the Enneagram? Because if so, then usually they, their eyes get bright and they're like, yes, you know, what number are you? And you quickly have that exchange of like, I'm this number, I'm this number. And it automatically takes two people into a deeper level and connection where they weren't just, you know, five minutes before, because you automatically understand someone's inner life, you understand their motivations, you understand their behavior. And so that just gives you that extra layer. And then if I, if they haven't heard the Enneagram, then I say, would you be willing to take, you know, this free assessment that I have? It will kind of just, I think it's going to be a good tool we can bring into this coaching and, um, most people are open, and then at that point, it, they find it really useful. I mean, typically what I hear is, oh, my goodness, where was this, like, 10 years ago? I wish I would have known this most of my life, or, oh, my goodness, this would have saved me so much pain with dealing with my daughter, or now I understand why my husband does this, dot, dot, dot. So it's that. <laughs> right, yes. Oh, that's good. That's very good. Now, it is particularly popular, I've noticed, amongst Christian circles. So how do you explain this spiritual component? Yeah, and I like that the Enneagram is entering into Christian circles because I think, to me, the Enneagram is all about having compassion for yourself and compassion for others. Because, like I said, if we see the lens through our our pair of sunglasses, and when I do workshops for teams and corporate, I'll have like different uh, versions of sunglasses per personality type, and you'll see what I mean in a minute when we describe the types. And so if I see, if I put on my lens, I think everyone else is seeing the world with that same lens, right? So, and then when you start to understand that, oh, no, there's eight other different lenses that people are seeing through. So to me in the Christian community, I think it's been helpful to understand people better and to be able to connect with them and have more compassion and empathy. That's really why I love the work of the Enneagram is having compassion and empathy for yourself. So you can work on maybe things you want to work on or have maybe grace and self-love and compassion for yourself. Um, Some numbers really need a lot more grace for themselves and forgiveness and patience. Right. And then to really understand the other people. Um, and then a lot of churches are bringing it into their leadership. 
So that's great so that you can understand each other and um, be able to, to work better. So um, I think it's just a, a, it's a tool that kind of you can go deep um, with. And I think maybe people that are already at a spiritual level enjoy going deep or having kind of some deep conversations. Um, so, but, but there's all kinds of people love the Enneagram and everyone finds it's useful to anyone. Right. Know. I wanted to read, <clears throat> excuse me, share with you two quotes from The Road Back to You, which right. was one of the books that um, you had suggested. The true purpose of the Enneagram is to reveal to you your shadow side and offer spiritual counsel on how to open it to the transformative light of grace, which you just mentioned, grace, which I thought was beautiful. And then this one, the Enneagram should only be used to build others up and help them advance on their journey toward wholeness and God, period. I thought that was really well said. And basically, yeah. that's you, you said in your own words. I just thought, um, because as I was, you know, starting to discover this and learn about this, I thought, how does this fit into Christianity? Because I don't want it to be this thing. And you and I have talked about this, and this is a, another question I have for you you know, people taking it too far, where it's sort of the, it, it's the thing, instead of using it as a tool. So what, can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, because to me, um, it is just that it's a tool. And it is something that can help you in an area of your life that maybe you're stuck, or you don't even realize you know, for me, I'm a one and a six, and I can tend to feel really impatient and frustrated and resentful and even angry a lot. And I never even understood why things were so important to me or meant so important to me on a, on a like, um, things that are, that I have, you know, thought through or, or value or, or they're weighted for me. And, um, so once I understood that about myself, I kind of was able to relieve some of the pressure valve <laughs> for myself, giving myself right. a lot more patience. Like for me, everything had to be perfect. I really, really wanted things. I want the world to be perfect. Right. The world is not perfect on this side of heaven. And um, I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. No one's perfect. But right. I was even expecting that same perfection because ones hold a high standard for themselves. Mm -hmm. and promise they hold that same high standard for everybody else in their life so for <laughs> me I was like and, and really a snapshot and, and it's a great snapshot and I actually went through I'd love to do this in a second where I went through the cast of friends and oh yes each, oh good and, number, and then the office or I yes celebrities that you could kind of take a snapshot to give you each number yes but in a way, like someone, I once can be kind of like a Margaret Stewart, where they're very, they pay attention to detail, and they're methodical, and they research things, and they think things through, and there is a right way to do it, but <laughs> <laughs> reflect in the right way, but we mean that out of a good heart of wanting to teach. Well, in my relationships, that's not really fun to be living around a one or a perfectionist that, you know, like my poor kids. And I would butt heads and I'd get so worked up. I would just get all whipped up about certain things like, can't you just put the pillows back on the couch when you leave it? Like I walk in and for me, I'm very aesthetic. Yes. And I love beauty and design and order. One's like 
order. And I can't help it. I don't mean to. I walk in a room and I, I, that pillow's out of place and that and that and that. And it just brings order yeah. to me to see order. And, and that's it, just me. And it brings you peace and relaxation when things are in yeah, order. That yes. chills me out. Yes. And so yes. this to my family of... And what helps chill mom out is when you get up off the couch, can you just like put the blanket back in the basket where it goes or the pillow? Not perfection, but so they've learned that it's kind of like my love language. This is what helps mom. This is what mom needs. Just like for their number, I'm giving what they need right. and what's important to them. So it may not be important to like, you know, there may maybe another number that's very like, ah, oh, whatever, throw it on the wall and up it sticks, who cares, you know, but that would drive a one crazy, right? So it's those type of things that it's meant to be a tool to help you with your emotions, your relationships, your insight to yourself, why you do what you do, why you feel what you feel, and why you, um, you know, act how you act. So it's, it's just that. It's a tool. And God, to me, is always the source. He's always sovereign and and you know he is the number one um thing for or um entity for purpose and for wisdom mm-hmm. and for insight and for 100 percent. like you can't really rely on one thing to get all of your wisdom from god right, is only that right. source but I feel like he has really brought the Enneagram as a tool to help people. I really do. Well, I, you, you've helpful. seen that clearly in your practice. And so that, that is wonderful. And I, I like the uh, emphasis on the why you do things is, is really what's behind it. Not the what you're doing, but the why you're doing it. All right. Yeah. Now, so let's take a deep dive into the numbers themselves. I, I have asked you to use some characters yeah. Or people, real people that we might know uh, to illustrate the various traits, because I, I think this is going to bring some whimsy out of uh, out of it while we learn. And, and fun. And fun. fun. Yes, sure. I love fun. Yeah, I love fun. So I sort of challenging the listeners to see where they see themselves. And then I wanted to mention, too, that I, I did take the assessment on your Enneagram coach, as you recommended. And I hope others did as well. So they have some idea about where they fall as they listen. I took it and I was very surprised to find out that I am equally two numbers. And then a third number was like like three percentage points after that. And I wonder before we jump into this, if you could give us that rainbow analogy that you used that I just thought was so perfect. Okay. So we have all nine numbers in us. It's kind of like the rainbow. If you think about all the different colors, we have all the colors of the rainbow in each one of us. We tend to um, fall strongly or navigate through the world in one to two numbers on the Enneagram, Um, kind of like one to two colors in the rainbow. So some people are more like, you know, blue and green as opposed to yellow and orange, so to speak, if you're using that analogy. And even within that, if you look at the color blue, how many shades of blue are there? There's navy blue, there's light blue, there's turquoise, there's teal. So, (laughs) and then within that, let's always remember when we're looking at the Enneagram that then we're our own individuals with, with our own personalities, raised in different households, so it, it, it's uh, what I say about the Enneagram is some people say, oh, well, isn't that putting you in a box? Isn't it kind of making you, you know, putting a label on someone? And it's not. 
it's not about putting you in a box. It's about letting you know the box you're already in. And then once you under, <laughs> and once you understand that, then you're like, oh, now I understand why I do what I do or why you know I react that way. Right. So that's so. As I go through the numbers, um, you will relate to many numbers. And um, the other thing I suggest to people is to. Uh, maybe be if you are in conflict in a relationship with someone right now or um, you are wanting to connect with someone or something like that, that be listening because um, there most likely are other people in your life that they are these numbers and you could you know learn from. Again, this is just a snapshot in the Enneagram. The Enneagram right, right, right. And oh, wide, hence, yes. You know, I have these five guide sheets that I take people through that are, you know, five sessions. But this is just you know, what's the Enneagram 101? So. Right, exactly. Thank you. That's exactly what we want to do. Okay, are we starting with friends? Or are we starting with, okay, yeah. whatever so, whatever you so want to do. The cast of friends, and then what I added, because not, you know, the cast of friends is not a cast of nine people. Right. Right. So I then added um, a couple other celebrities to give you maybe a snapshot of that number. Okay, great. Okay, so for um, the ones... Uh, Monica is definitely yes. the one on the end of the And if you think of Monica, she's organized, she stays on task, she could be a dog and a bone, she can be a perfectionist, she takes pride in her work and stands up for her friends and what's right and is just like, you know, very intense. One can be intense, but again, for the ones, it's remembering their heart, which is to, they're called the improver or the reformer or the perfectionist. And so, um, that's the one for the for the phone. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Uh, two other people as a one would be say Gandhi, Joan of Arc, Martha Stewart. Um, if you're looking at the cast of The Office, Dwight. So these are people <laughs> that <laughs> these are your people. Here's the thing about ones that people ones are amazing people when you can take off that pressure valve and kind of let some of that steam and intensity, you know, get some of that balance because they are like, I mean, they think Martin Luther King is probably either was, was a one or eight. Obviously he's passed. So we, we can't ask him personally, but ones can be intense, but they're intense for the right reason with some passion and fire behind that. So if you do think of like a Gandhi or a Joan of Arc or like Martha Stewart, she's very meticulous, but she's very good at what she does. Right. Right. She's made an art and a living off being a one because she makes the best, you know, panna cotta or whatever it is she's doing, and she does. So anyway, I hope that gives you it. Oh, that does, and I love doing it like this because it really it it does make it. Um, I don't want to say more real because it already is real, but we can we can imagine it better by having a character in our mind or a real person in our mind. Like, oh, I see that. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, so are we going one through nine? Are we going yeah, that way? I'm just okay. gonna, I'm going to add a couple things for other for each number, and then that'll wrap it up for us. Actually, so for okay. the one, one thing to know about the ones, what drives them, what that intensity is, they have an inner critic. Mm. They're very, very hard on themselves, and it is like um, having kind of a bully in your head that always says, "Well, you know, this is the way you should have done it, and make sure you do it the right way, and this is the right way." So they. They, um, that intensity comes, but they, they're very hard on themselves. So, but they carry that same, you know, intensity outward. So it's balancing that, um, 
And so, yeah, that's the one. So for the two, um, I didn't have a two, a number two for friends. Okay. But the good example of a two is the two is the helper and the giver. And they, um, the best snap shots, probably like a Mother Teresa or a Mr. Rogers. Not that they're always a passive personality, right. Right. but they are others oriented. Okay. And so they really think of other people first or for themselves. And they need to be needed. Mm. So they secure themselves in a relationship by being needed. Okay. And they, they, their, their worth and value actually comes from, um, you know, being valued in a relationship because of how much they are valued. Does that make sense? And they yes. do that by giving, serving. Um, they're selfless and they're self-forgetting. And that can be a little dangerous for the two because they put their needs last oftentimes. So they'll put everyone else before them and they can be self-forgetting and maybe not so good at self-care or things like that. So they need to just check in and make sure that they are taking care of themselves um, you know, that they're thrown in that mix of all the others so that they're taking care of, that they are one of the others, which is, you know, themselves. So, um, and then the type three is, um, wait, back up one second on the type two, you yeah. said something about the type one they, that they needed to, um, kind of like a challenge or, or I don't remember how you described it, but, um, what they have to watch out for. For the um, for the one, how they are, what they need to kind of look out for. Yes. Are you going to do that for each number? Yeah, I can do that. For the one, you know, they just need to, all ones are really striving for is to get everything done so I can wrap it up in a bow so I can relax. But the problem is <laughs> with the ones, they, 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 the list is never done. You know, the I mean, my kids always laugh because they're like, do you ever sit down? Like they're, you're just always going and doing mom. Like you're just, you know, there's cause there is, there's always something else to do or figure out or fix or manage or, and so, but really I can become resentful because all I want to do is chill. Right. I actually don't like to be that intense and uptight. And so it's not good for me. So for me, my work in the one on the Instagram is to know that about myself so that I can schedule in you know, time to have fun, to relax. Like I have been really, it's very hard for me to sit and read a book. It's one of my favorite things to do when people ask is to sit and, and to read, just to devour books. But I never give myself that time, Rochelle. Do you see what right. I'm saying? I absolutely do. I'm always worried about like, you know, you know, it'll drive me. I'll go to sit and read a book and then I'm looking, oh, you know, the, the land. So the front courtyard needs to be power washed. Let me go. Let me go make that appointment. Let me go call. Let me go power wash it right now. You know what I mean? Right, right. I look or no, 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 no. This is your time to read a book. Right. Gonna, you know, you stay. Give this up. Like it's good for me to stop, slow down, relax, have fun. Yes. You know what I'm saying? So, yes. But I. But it takes energy for me to do that, knowing myself. Right. Okay. So, so jumping to the two, what is the thing they need to look out for? Um, they need to check in with themselves and see how are they feeling? How are they doing? What do they need? Because they are, they'll burn themselves out kind of taking care of the world and they, they don't take care of themselves. Self-care. They also be mindful. They can be that helping, giving, nurturing can turn into enabling. Uh. So twos can end up in maybe a toxic relationship or, or a very one-sided relationship. Mm-hmm. Or, an equal 50-50 give and take 
because you know sometimes they attract people that are takers or that like great if you're going to give 70% in this relationship I, I love I'm all about giving 30 and a lot of this is subconscious you see what I'm saying absolutely it's all about self-awareness because sometimes we have a blind spot to ourselves we don't even know why we're doing what we're doing or what we're doing on, mm -hmm. on sometimes um so that's the work for the two is to um, not they don't have to be superman for everyone all the time they sometimes need to be the hero for themselves in their life and you know get in touch with what they need all right now and what let, about number three people help them oh let people yeah that'd be hard for a two i can see that okay now so number three uh, uh, mm -hmm. so number three is um in friends it would be rachel because Rachel is about, so the three is the achiever. So um, looking successful and being successful in others' eyes is very important to the three. And um, so for Rachel, it's kind of like she wants to be well-liked. She cares about her success and her image. Um, you know, so they, threes oftentimes will, another example is like a Tiger Woods and Oprah. Threes are very driven. And they're very, um, very good at, at making lists and and checking them off. And they can be workaholics. And it's all for them. Their motivation again. Every number has a motivation. We don't even have time to go over every single number. Right, right, right. Every number has a core motivation, a core fear, a core weakness, and a core longing. If we have time, Dan, I can go over that. But so for the three, they believe that their value is based off what they do. I kind of touched upon this last time. Though, yes. For three, it's all about their title, their career, you know, how oh, I'm successful in this. I'm, they're doers or go-getters. and But it's all because they don't necessarily always feel like their worth comes from just being them. Mm -hmm. They think their worth comes from what they do, not what they are. And it doesn't always mean they have low self-esteem. Okay. So it's not always that with the three. It's for them, they want to be successful. And it's important to be successful and look successful and be valued and esteemed. And that can even come down to how they dress oftentimes. I mean, sometimes if I see a really sharp dresser, I'm like, I wonder if there are three. Again, I, I try not to type people, you know, without really knowing them and, you know, and their motivations. And, but, um, yeah, they're... I would say that. And then sometimes they can shape shift to look successful. So if they are in front of you and, and they know what you value as success, they'll kind of tweak that a little bit. And ah. then if they're in front of someone else and they know that that's, they, it's really important for them to look successful. And it's not that they're, that is their passion or their shadow or their weakness is deceit, but it's not like they're purposely trying, again, all of this work in the Enneagram, it's not like people are purposefully right. trying to be, people it's not like they're liars it's more um they shape shift or they morph to to be successful for the situation or for the person and threes can be like twos where they can um because there's all that um, performing and shape shifting going on they can sometimes be out of touch with who they are and what they feel and who they are behind the mask who they mm. are just who they are Interesting. It's exhausting by the end of the day to Ooh, kind of yes. make sure you're successful in every area of your life. And um, so for them, their work in the Enneagram is to really have value in just who they are, knowing that they 
are loved, liked, and successful for just being them, regardless of what they do, right. they don't do. Okay, I love that. So for um, the four, we don't have a four for friends, unfortunately, but I have a great example. <laughs> it's called The Individualist. And um, Johnny Depp or Billie Eilish are great examples. Ah. Um, again, I don't know if they are. I don't know them personally. <laughs> right. We have to know celebrities, but I'm just kind of trying to give you a snapshot. The four feels like um, they are different. So even from U.S. fours from when they were little, they always felt different, like a fish out of water, like on the fringes. Like, as if the best analogy for me for four is like you have a puzzle piece and they always felt like a, a piece or two was missing. Mm, okay. Like they start life not having the whole or what everyone else had. And they don't want to be like everyone. Fours, you know, I can sometimes spot because they're very individual. They, they you know, if, if the trend is everyone's wearing um, a bulky sweater with skinny jeans and boots. The four is not going to wear a bulky sweater with skinny jeans and boots. They don't want to be like everyone else. They don't want to be normal. They don't feel normal. They don't want to be lumped in like all you other 20 women that are all wearing sweaters and jeans, you know, skinny jeans and boots. And so they feel individual. Um, and they, but they, that even can be self perpetuating where they um, can almost alienate and isolate themselves too. You know what I mean? So that's kind of where I said like the the Johnny Depp, the Billy Eyes, they don't want to be normal. Don't let me in. I don't want to be, I'm not trying to be on trend where a three would potentially, right? If everyone's wearing skinny jeans and, and, and sweaters and boots, well, I got to wear skinny jeans, sweaters and boots. So, um, but the, uh, the four can feel a lot of emotions. They, they feel the, the deepest of all the numbers in the Enneagram. Wow. Mm-hmm. And the beauty of the four, they are typically, ironically, very creative, very talented, typically musicians, artists. I mean, it is like that cliche of that emotional artist, you know, but they are very gifted and talented and they just see the world even differently. They have beautiful minds in that sense of like, they just don't see in the box and they don't want to be in the box and, and, you know, don't categorize me or label and but with that comes a lot of deep emotion and with that comes a lot of emotion so they can be labeled as like emo or something like that but they're misunderstood a lot and so a lot of times fours they have such deep emotions they don't even know how to process so they go within to even manage their their deep emotions a lot so they can withdraw sometimes and for Um, some reason kramer is coming to my mind as you describe this would you think kramer could be a four yeah, it could be. He's quirky, but yeah, it could be. Yeah, they can be quirky or they can, um, <laughs> yeah, he's definitely different for sure. He's, he's <laughs> but um, they, uh, they can tend to go within to consult their feelings on everything. And then they, they can fantasize about how they want their life to be. And then they can fantasize, fantasize how bad their life is. So for fours, they kind of live in this version in their mind of um, the work I do with the fours is helping them to stay in reality in the sense of they can, um, like even when I sign up, when I start to work with a four, I know in their mind they already have a, a, a conceived idealization of how this work is going to go. They're having this expectation of what they think this is going to look like. And I know that. I mean, all of us do, right? We have an expectations, and if they don't get met, we're kind of 
disappointed. But for fours, they can actually fantasize about how this relationship is going to go and what it looks like and how this job's going to look like. So it was, it's important for me to be very clear with the four. What are your expectations? This is what it's going to look like. And I'll even point that out to them that, you know, this is, there's going to be tough times maybe, or, you know, I kind of really lay the, the, the lay of the land. And so they can also kind of look at things through, um, oh, how bad my life is or how this didn't go. So they get very disappointed. If, if So for them, it's getting out of their fan, you know, out of their head a little bit and checking in and seeing what is, what's fair in a marriage with your spouse. Is that, is that, you know, there's not a perfect marriage. There's not, you know what I mean? So keeping yes. them in, in, in check of, so they will, how I would describe fours is how do I feel about that? They're in the feeling triad. How do I feel about that? Where five, six, sevens are in the thinking triad and the five, which is the next number, they are always saying, how do I, what do I think about that? Okay. So it's their fours are very in their emotions. Fives are very in their head. So, um, that's a perfect segue to get into five. Um, for fives, we have Ross. I mean, that's hands down. Here's just think of Ross. Yes, they are the investigator, is what they're called, and they are typically intelligent. Um, you think about Ross; he needs to understand a situation. What kind of wants control? He doesn't want all that crazy emotion. Like you know, he's like, "What are you getting all worked up about?" You know, like it's 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 factual, and it's like you know, it can be even boiled down to a formula. If they could boil things down and life down to a formula, like okay, plug this in here, beautiful, great. You know, like so that's you know, if if there's a subject, what do I think about that? Let me think about that. And so they'll do a lot of in their head. Out of all the numbers, they're the most in their head. Wow. It's good for them to connect with the heart and with the gut a little more than staying in their head. Um, so another. Uh, Celebrate examples I I wrote was Albert Einstein, Bill Gates, Stephen Hawking. So it's those type of people. They they have brilliant minds, um, but they get their security in knowing. They get their worth value in knowing, and they don't like to not know. So like if you're talking about COVID, they're gonna they're gonna research it and they're gonna know all the facts. They want to know everything that there is to know about COVID. Do you see what I'm saying? Yes. So that they can they don't like to be caught kind of with not, not knowing. Mm-hmm. And so the interesting part is because I know, but you know, you have, there's a fine line of not being a know-it-all, right? Knowing it all. So for it's them, there's know. security in the knowledge that makes them yes. secure. Yeah, and um, yeah, and the other thing I would say about fives is they don't like to be trapped. Um, they they kind of so you and I have on our our cell phones, you know our battery life will say 100%. And we feel great when we're at like, what, 80, 90, 100. We don't have to be tethered to a charger, right? It's when you start to get down to like 30, 40, you know, 20, you're like, oh, where's a charger? Well, fives actually have the least amount of energy, even though they're very brilliant. Think of Stephen Hawking, you know, uh, Bill Gates and whatever. But they actually wake up with probably 60%, 70% battery life. And they know how much energy they have for that thinking and for that knowing and how much they have for even a relationship or even like an intense personality, um, maybe like a bit too much. So for them, they, um, they, they know how to schedule their day in their life to, you know, to not run out of energy. 
And so if they have a spouse that's like a seven, or or seven and eights have the most energy on the Enneagram, and ones they have, and threes, so all those are like kind of big energy people, then the fives are like, okay, look, I know you're going to want to shut this party down. You're going to want to stay till two. I'm out by nine. So we need to take two separate cars. And that's okay in that marriage because they don't want to feel like, oh, God, I drove with someone, and now I'm trapped here till like, 10, 11, 12, because, you know, I'm with Mrs. Life at the party. So it's that type of thing where um, fives kind of like to compartmentalize and understand and kind of keep things in control a little bit. And they, it sounds like they deplete maybe a little more easily than some of the other numbers by yeah, by having to exert themselves. Okay, right. The top of Myers-Briggs or whatever, they are the true introverts. Um, and intellectuals on on the Instagram, hundred percent. But they can totally be the life of the party too. They can be fun. I have a lot of vibes in my life, and that's the thing. They're like, great, I'm here till late, and I'm going to give hundred percent, and you know, ride or die till late. But eight o'clock comes, and I'm like, I'm out. Girlfriend, <laughs> <laughs> literally, we joke in her life, she's just like, you know, we all know. So we'll all go to dinner, and then after, there's a set of us that now we're now the night begins because now we're going to go go dancing or we're going to go to you know a comedy club or we're going to go do check this new fun thing out over here and our one friend's like okay i'll see you good and so after dinner she just excuses herself although she's gotten better recently uh we dragged her out um and so that's okay though she knows her limits and holds her boundaries and you know that's okay right so so uh chandler is our six so the loyalist and um, the loyalists are they're cautious um, they're very loyal to others but you have to earn their trust they can be kind of skeptical of people and at first when you first meet them they're going to kind of hold their cards to their chest they they um, they just they kind of aren't necessarily um, they want to get to know you to kind of earn that trust a little bit. They're not just going to give it to you within the first hour or two. Does that make sense? Not, right. not, not that they're not warm. They're very, very warm people. Um, but they are very responsible. They're very trustworthy. And, and trust is huge for them. Matter of fact, they so much so that they have a very tight inner circle. And they, they need and want to have people that they know have their back and they can trust and lean on to feel very safe. Okay. But if you break that trust, it's really hard to get it back because it took a lot for them to open up. In the first place. Right. And so, but you don't always know this about a six. Um, I'm a one and a six on the Enneagram equally 91%. My work is more than one than the six, but I'm very aware of my six. So I'm very skeptical of people, and you wouldn't necessarily know that. But, you know, an example is I'll be driving home from a party, my husband and I'm like, hey, how about, I don't know if I trust it. Did you see the way that guy, or why was she? And he's always like, yeah. You know, like, I just know that about myself, that I'm like, I just don't always take for face value what I see. Right. I mean, and I, I really want it. It takes me a while to really get to know someone and vet them through my vet. System until I really can trust them. Right, I get that. Um, and but they and then they do that because they have an inner committee. So sixes worry a little bit. They kind of scan the horizon of of um, what's next. What should I be worried about? Like when COVID hits, sixes would quickly kind of 
you know, they want to know the facts, kind of like a five. But I joke that my sixes are like, they're the ones that have like the earthquake preparedness kit. They're the ones when danger does strike. They they did go and get life insurance. They did get the route. They did think it through. They have a flashlight right by their, under their bed. And they're good to go because they worry about these things concern them because they want to, they're kind of about prevention and they can suffer from anxiety. They, they kind of have a tendency to, to, to worry and think things through. And really all of this is driving, what drives all this is that need for security and consistency and stability that, and that loyalty. So that's what a six is about. And they, um, but they're very loyal. They're called the loyalists. They, they are your ride or die people. Mm. So they're really beautiful. They're very we instead of me oriented. They're great to have on a team. They are all about like, hey, let's one for all and all for one, because that's really what they want. They do want that trust. They want that bond. They are great and and like, hey, they're great to work for as maybe quality control or an attorney or just someone that needs to think through all the details and, and make sure they don't, like even for the White House working or FBI or something where someone is needs to be detail-oriented and has really thought through, but what of that? Have we thought of that? Let's make sure we get that. They, they just, their brain automatically goes and they have an inner committee that sees all sides of something and it's kind of like a boardroom where you have all these different people at the round table but the problem with that you know committee for the six is that um it can sometimes paralyze them in making decisions because mm, oh, they, yes. they can like oh i don't want to make the wrong decision so that same inner committee which is a superpower every number has their superpower and their strength but what Ian Cron says from the road back to you is the best part of you is the worst part of you. Mm-hmm. So really that same superpower for each number, it can get it away, right? Think of how amazing like Martha Stewart is or, or Monica, but like, like she needs to chill, but she's really great. She'll organize a, a party to the T because she's thought through everything. But then think about her right before that party. Like I'm a stress mongrel sometimes and my family's like, calm down. <laughs> I can even see it when I'm like, okay. They're like, you're getting way too, like, now my, 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 my daughter's new word is like, all right, Karen. And I'm like, come on now, come on. <laughs> so, do you see what I'm saying? Yes. I'm like, I've heard of that title. And so then, yes. like, okay, you're right. I'm totally being Karen. You know, I want to be, you know, fun, carefree Karen, not Karen. So, you, you know, knowing all these things about yourself, you can shift, right? You can redirect. Right. You can pivot. That's the beauty. That is incredible to have that kind of awareness and information just allows you equips you to be able to make little shifts which is wonderful because yeah. because you, you can't do what you don't know yes, you know and that's you sort of what you don't know yeah. yourself 100 that's the tool of the enneagram that's beautiful yeah okay what's our next uh, number and do you have paper or something near your microphone something is wrestling against your mic it's me. I'm sorry. I keep picking up this paper. No, the paper's know. fine, but just be careful when you are holding it because it was breast. You'll, you'll hear it coming back. Oh, it's kind of wrestling a little bit. Sorry sure. No worries. Um, another person for lastly for six is Princess Di. Oh, so wow. Snapshot of a six. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. Very loyal, but she wants that inner circle. She's not going to get, she's just a perfect snapshot to me. Out of six mm. and Chandler. Mm. Okay, so number seven, they are the enthusiasts, and the seven is has the uh, an exuberant amount of um, 
energy and they love life they want to experience all of life if you think of joey he's you know life of the party that's what that's what our joey is he's a seven they're in a good mood they just want to have fun why can't we all have fun all the time why is everyone so serious all the time um <laughs> you know for the seven they um they have fomo serious fomo they always want to they want to make sure their calendar is filled um they don't like to be bored or stuck at home they just want to and, they, and and that experiences all sorts of things they're great people where they have a vast wealth of knowledge and experience because they're like oh i want to you know i mean they live their bucket list out really you know like i want to learn how to rock climb and i want to learn a new language and I want to go do this workshop, and I want to get, I want to geek out. What's the Enneagram about? I want to figure that out, and, you know, I want to see that concert, and I want to, you know, they, oh, Hamilton, we've got to do Hamilton. Like, they are so fun. Like, if you want to know what, what show to see or what's going on this weekend, just ask the seven. Like, what should I do for August? And they're going to have already <laughs> on this book. They're going to tell you what. I mean, they should be, like, cruise directors and, like, party coordinators, and, you know, they're great. They're fun. They are positive. A lot of that can come, though, because sevens don't like to be bored, stuck, stagnant, trapped. Um, They they like to uh, stay on a very fun, high level and vibration. And that comes from their motivation of they ultimately um, don't want to go too deep or heavy or intense for too long. Okay. And let me clarify that. It doesn't mean that they're shallow people and it doesn't mean they can't go deep. I know of certain sevens that are very deep spiritual women, but um, for seven, sometimes they, what they do is they reframe. So when things are kind of maybe getting bad for them to cope, they reframe it into a positive. They Ooh. reframe it into well, I don't think it's that bad, or I don't know. I, I think, you know, if you maybe say, hey, you're, you're, you're burning the candle at both ends, I don't really think it's that. I just think that I've got so much to give and so much to do, but everything gets reframed so they don't, you know, have to kind of maybe look at some stuff or feel deep or, or go intense for too long. They don't want it. Like the fours, they can live at the bottom of the pool. The sevens are like, I don't want to go to the bottom of the pool for too long at all. Right, and the fives are like, I'm gonna sit over here in the shallow, and then like, <laughs> I mean, I'm gonna, I'm gonna figure out how the pool works, how the whole filtration system works, you know, like, and you can take almost any analogy, and I can run it through every number, right? Mark out. It, 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 it's so sorry, Rochelle. It's so fascinating to me. Again, it's how people look through their lens, yes. right? So for the seven, sometimes um, they can be a little too energetic or taxing on the on the people that they live with. Yes, like I can see that. Of you know, if they are with someone who maybe is a little more introverted or not a level ten all the time, it can be a lot. Like, hey, do we have to go out every night? Or you know, like I just, I just want to chillax. I had a, a crazy hard week and I just want to relax a little bit. So again, it's not that sevens can't. It's just um, they they kind of need to know what's the next thing. And do they have um, a fear of being alone? Yeah, they can fear although. Not always. Again, every seven is different. They can kind of, they're fearing more being like bored. Even when they're alone, they want to have something to do still. Like, I, I want to read a book. I want to go take a walk. I want to meditate. But again, it's kind of like that hummingbird a little bit. But it's, even the hummingbird has to stop. 
Do you, do you know what I mean? Right. Certain, right. Uh, it's like it's just healthy to be running and gunning all the time. And so um, they just, you know, they can find themselves sometimes in a, in a tough relationship, maybe not want to really look at a friendship that may be suffering. And they, you know, they need to stop sometimes and just look, check in with themselves or with, you know, and, and everything can't be reframed to the cup is, you know, sometimes the cup is half empty and maybe that needs to be looked at so that you can process work on it and then move forward so you can go back to having fun right because <laughs> that makes sense yes that's kind of what i tell seven you know you just want to do the work so you can go back and have fun again but sometimes you know so anyway um make sure i got everything that i wanted to get for seven yeah okay so for the eight there wasn't a true eight in the inner group of the friends but i would say janice because she has such a strong uh. personality <laughs> and they Eight is the challenger. Oh. So the eight is a very personality. They take charge. Um, they are natural born leaders, and they are natural born leaders because they don't want to follow. And you typically know right away when you have an eight in your life because it's they kind of want life to be their way or the highway. And um, but if you can channel that eightness because they are great leaders, you are looking at people like Martin Luther King. You know, you are looking at, um, oh, I wanted to go back. I'm sorry, for other than Joey, I had for a seven Robin Williams um, and Michael Scott from The Office. <laughs> so I, I wanted to, sorry, I didn't read that last time. Oh, that's so funny. So these are probably celebrities or maybe like Pink or Miley Cyrus or Oprah or Trump. They're just these strong personalities that they're, um, and, you know, my daughter is an eight, and what I try to teach her is you want to pave the way, but not plow over people. Right. On the, because they are just such a, they have the most energy out of all the numbers on the Enneagram. They are just, they're go-getters. I mean, they are like bulls, and, and, and they're really beautiful because they actually have a, a soft spot for the underdog. Mm-hmm. So they actually aren't necessarily always bullies they will actually stand up for the kid that's getting bullied and they don't mean to the age challenge is to understand their energy and how it affects others and how um their intensity needs to be understood and managed and maintained and so a healthy eight is a beautiful creature that does amazing work in the world just amazing um so the other thing I would say for the eight is um, they're called the challenger. They um, they really want to get their way, and they will they will they have no problem challenging you. They have no problem arguing with you. They um, they're like let's go in the ring. You want it? They're great. They're just natural born attorneys. Like my daughter, she wants to turn everything into a courtroom or like a wrestling ring, and I'm like I'm not getting in the ring, you know. And she's like, come on, let's go. She's like. But I mean, here's an example. She wanted to have a slumber party. Her birthday's, you know, in June. And I said, you know, honey, this year it's not going to happen. There's no way. You know, we can't have a whole bunch of people, you know, in, you know, think about 13, 14-year-old girls. They're in close proximity. They're all looking at each other's phones, all of that. I was like, it's just not going to happen. And so she was determined to have a birthday, determined to have a sleepover. And I was like, you need to stand down. Like, it's not going to happen, right? <laughs> and the one in me is like, we have to do the right thing. Now, the one is not going to argue, but if I have to get in the ring for the right thing, think of MLK, right? 
for the cause if it's the right thing, let's go. You want to go? Let's go. So she did a whole proposal. She knows mom's strong-willed. If, it, if it's something that's the right thing to do, I'll hold my ground. Came, came up with a proposal. What if no one came in the house? Everyone came in the side gate. We have a pool. We were in the pool, which we've allowed because it kills, you know, the chlorine kills just about everything. But again, they have to be six feet apart. We're in the pool. We, um, everyone brings their own towel. We have tents. So everyone sleeps in their own tent outside of the backyard with their own pillow, their own sleeping bag. So we have our own compartment, like apartments, really. We don't, you know, we order pizza and then, you know, you can dish out the pizza and everything. I mean, she had got it down to the T because this girl's determined to have a party. Do you see what I'm saying? They don't take no for an answer. And it was so well written because every single thing I had said before, like, yeah, but no, yeah, but she had countered the yeah, but no. And then we did. The girls came in the side gate. They were in the pool for like two hours. Then we had an outdoor movie screen. So we showed on the projector. We had this big, long fire table. Everyone could literally sit spaced apart around the fire table. They did s'mores while they watched an outdoor movie. They never came in the house except to use the restroom. And we even have an outside sink because we have a very big out. Uh, outdoor backyard entertaining. The girls could brush their teeth and <laughs> they had a, we have an outdoor refrigerator. They could go get free. I mean, it was genius that we literally, those girls stayed in our backyard for almost 24 hours. And the next day we took them all to the beach. Wow. So that's the determination of the eight. But to be on the other side of that, who baby? So I'm trying to mold my eight into a very strong, <laughs> balanced person to send out to the world. But that's an eight in, in a nutshell. So they just, um, they're incredible people, but they just have to know and manage that energy. Right. Okay. Last one, nine, they are called the peacemaker and that's Phoebe. Uh, yeah. I figured Phoebe would be the peacemaker. Phoebe, peacemaker. They're easygoing. They're accepting of everybody. They don't like feeling left out. They want everyone to get along. Why can't we all get along? <laughs> um, and, Nines are great people. They are. I mean, you know, my, my husband and my best friend, they're both nines, and I love them. God bless them because they, they balance my oneness, right? Like, they're just chill. Um, they um, – one thing about nines is they are so easygoing, and they want peace and harmony in the world. That's really what they want. They really do, like – they want everyone to, to – you know, let's like if I'm Arden and I are going at it, my husband, I'll see him walk in the room, see us, and then turn around and make a beeline out. Like, they don't want to be around the energy. It's a total conflict avoider. I mean, I'll see him, I'm like, well, hey, come in here. I need, like, you know, I need reinforcements, is what I'm thinking about. I'm like, no, 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 come in here. We need another, you know, why don't your father come in and weigh in on this, right? Because I'm always fighting the battles because he doesn't want to fight the battle. Now, again, one thing I didn't mention, we can be two different people at working at home and I, I failed to mention that in the beginning what my husband does for a living he is not a nine at work I mean that he gets mistyped people think he's like a three or an eight maybe because when it's game time for him that nine takes a back seat because the nine will absolutely step up when something needs to be happened and they, they, they can be in a, a authoritative you know position of authority but in their life like at home there's not that same. I get the, I get the, don't want to deal with it nine at home because, you know, he's had a long day and it's just like, oh, can't we all get along? So, and that can be frustrating to be in a relationship with a nine as much as they're easy to be in a relationship with. There's times, you know, you're kind of like, 
no, we need to talk about this or no, you know, life is sticky, messy, challenging or engaging or, you know, you have people that you have to be in conflict with sometimes, right, or work something out. So they are great, though. They see all sides to the story. I mean, they they really can see both sides. And that's what I mean kind of in the, the Christian community with the Enneagram. They, they really are like uh, – they can, they're great observers. They don't always need to insert their opinion. And yet I find nines sometimes have the most valuable thing to bring to the table. Wow. And, mm-hmm. So they, typically the people that may be outspoken at a dinner party would, would maybe be like a three, an eight, a seven, a one, yeah, their numbers, maybe a five. Um, but oftentimes I know my husband knows something fascinating or has some value to bring, or it's even something that's in his field and he's so humble and chill or they don't think to monopolize or exert the conversation that I'll, I'll elbow him and nudge him and be like, you should say something or tell that amazing story, how you, whatever. And, and he's just like, no. And they, they'll devalue their opinion sometimes because they just don't need to be in the spotlight or they, they, and especially if it's going to, um, put any ripples in the water, they're not going to bring it. Even if they like how, even if someone's wrong and they know the right answer, if it's going to be ripple, they're like, and it's not worth it. I'm not going to. So it's interesting. They, um, they want the, the wanting the outer, they want inner stability is what nines really want. They really want that inner stability. And so therefore that's why they try and maybe control the outer stability or don't want to rock the boat. Um, they can, um, and if they can't control it, they'll retreat physically. Like my husband oh. will go to a nap or he'll remove himself from the situation. Um, or they even go to a happy place in their mind <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> um, and their, their tagline is kind of, they go along to get along. Oh. So if you'll ask them, hey, what do you want for dinner? And everyone, you know, of course, I have the eight. She's going to give her opinion right away. As a matter of fact, she's going to try and convince everyone else that that's where we should go because that's where she wants to go. I have the three that will, you know, He'll give his opinion, my son, and then I have the one. I'm going to give my opinion. and um, But my husband was like, I don't care. You guys decide all the time. And it drives me crazy sometimes. Or I'll have to flush him out like, no, what do you want? What are you craving? And, you know, if my daughter's determined on Mexican, he's like, no, no, let's just do Mexican. And I'm like, but you have tacos for lunch. He's like, I can have tacos again. It's okay. I, I, I can do it. It's all good. That's the inner stability. Do you see that? Yes. So they are like, um, and so then my daughter's even pegged in. She she knows her his number. We we talked about this. We we use it in our family. And she's like, well, don't even ask that. He doesn't even care. He's just gonna go along with whatever we want. And I'm like, oh no, ma'am. Like his voice matters. Do you see what I'm saying? They can literally not inject themselves or feel their voice doesn't matter. Right. They need to be told and they need to be valued. And and I will bring him in oftentimes of like. No, I want, where do you want to eat? Like, it's there's four people in this family. We're going to all four throw it out on the table, and then we're going to decide as all four of us. Not one person, the youngest, deciding where we're going to go. Um, so that's it. That's the Instagram in a snapshot. Um, that's incredible. And I love using people that we know about, fictional characters primarily, but then also uh, real-life people. I think it just really helps us picture what you're talking about. So I thank you for doing it in that way. And I, I learned a lot and I'm looking forward to kind of going back and rereading um, some more info about some of the different uh, numbers. And I'm, I really want Ron to, to 
take the test and I have my suspicions, but I, I want, uh, I want him to kind of be able to come up with that firsthand and then go from there. And I think it will be very impactful if we sort of know a little bit about each other's numbers, because um, how could it not? But I guess it's, it's the bottom line. How could it not be helpful to know, oh, you're kind of wired this way. You kind of lean this way. Okay, I didn't know that. And then I lean this way. And okay, that just that's just a good thing. Yeah. One thing I want to end with, if I can, just sure. to talk about this the only time the Enneagram is not useful is when people start to weaponize it oh. against other people because, because it is a big, um, you know, it's, it, it's a hot thing right now. You know, everyone's geeking out on it and it's great. But what happens, what can happen sometimes is once you understand your number, you know, like my daughter's comment, Oh, you're a nine. It doesn't, you're not going to like Matt, you're not going to throw your opinion. You know, you're not going to throw your hat in the ring anyway. And I, I had to correct her on that. So it's kind of like, oh, you're a, you know, number. And then someone says, you know, oh, you're the perfectionist. You're all uptight. It's like, well, that's not fair. You know what I mean? Or you're a, you know what I mean? Right. You're, you're a five. You have no heart or you're insecure unless you know everything. Or you're, a, you know what I mean? Fill in the blank, whatever it is. Right. Number. That's not fair because we all, like I said, we all, each number has their strength and superpower that they do bring to the world or they bring that kind of salt or, or sugar or pepper to their families or their work or their gifts. Right. They really have natural born gifts and strengths in that number. But that flip side is there's also weakness. But if we're just going around typing people and that's a scary thing because a lot of people will type someone and it comes down to the person's core motivations. You can even have three people behave in the same way, but their core motivations are totally different. So it's not fair to type because you do a lot of, there's a lot of mistyping going on, to be honest with you. And I've even had girlfriends go, oh, my husband's a five. And I'm like, well, did he take? Because there's even certain numbers that won't, I can already guess certain numbers that won't take me. <laughs> I can know and, um, you know what I mean? So you have to be careful because unless they take the, the answer to the question with their motivations, you don't really know. But, and then, you know, putting people in a box or labeling them or things like that, that weaponizing it, that, that's not cool because we all have our weaknesses and we're all doing the best we can showing up in the best way we can. And, and if so, if that person does have work on their number on their Enneagram, that's for them to do. Right, know? right. Exactly. So. Well, thank you again. This was so helpful. And as I said, I learned, I learned a ton and I'm looking forward to learning more and uh, be sure and put all your info on the um, on the website page that's yours for this particular episode because you're our very first guest to have been on you know two times in a row part one and part two so I thank you for that and um, just as a an aside you you are are you equal parts one and six. Yeah, when I took um, every test I've taken, I always come up as a one. But there's, I use that one test because they break down all nine numbers, what your percentages are of each number. And when I did, I was ninety one percent a six and ninety one percent a one, and then pretty equal seventy percent almost every other number, which I found was fascinating. So I really have a lot of the numbers in me, but at, at a higher level. But um, for me. 
I, 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 my work, like I said, is in a one. I definitely have a lot of work <laughs> on my one, and that's okay. I, I, to me, it was this aha moment of finally understanding things about myself that I never knew, and now I can work on those things, right? Well, and I think really that is the beauty of it is uh, once you're aware, then you can move forward with that information and that knowledge. And so I, I can see it being a very powerful tool, you know, used uh, to your benefit is, is, is only a good thing. You know, knowing yourself more is great. Yeah. So thank you, Erin. Again, we learned a lot from you today, and I appreciate that. And uh, as usual, once I get everything together, you'll be you'll be the first one to see it. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, I always enjoy hanging out with you. Thank you. Any topic. So thank you. My pleasure. Absolutely. My pleasure. I'm very grateful, very grateful for the work you're doing and for uh, really speaking life into women through the Enneagram and through all the other ways that you are using your gifts, your passion, your expertise, your talents, your time, your treasure, all those things. It's really important, really important. And I, I value you. I value the work you're doing. So thank you. You're welcome. All right. Thank okay. Say this thank you. We'll be in touch soon. Sounds okay. good. Thanks, Sarah. Right. Okay. Thanks. Bye. I wanted to give a shout out to the two newest countries listening, the Netherlands and the Ukraine. Thank you, women. We are grateful you have joined the conversation. Say, don't miss out on the blog that goes with each episode at unabashedyou.com. Have feedback, questions, ideas? Reach out at unabashedyou at gmail.com. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts. And if you haven't already done so, please take a moment to rate and review. They do not collect any personal information and it takes about 30 seconds. It's a great way for the podcast to be discovered and to reach more and more women who can be part of the impact we want to have. A reminder that Erin can be reached at erinsur.com and her website, E-R-I-N-S-U-R dot C-O-M, or through email at coach at erinsur.com, C-O-A-C-H at E-R-I-N-S-U-R dot C-O-M. That is her email. I'll also be putting this info on the Unabashed You website under Erin's episode, so you will have easy access. Thank you, Aaron. My goodness, what a fantastic two weeks it's been. Very grateful for you. And now our blessing. We are lovable because as the circle of the Enneagram reminds us, there is an unbroken wholeness. There is a wholeness that exists already. An original blessing. And that is by Robert Holden. Thank you, ladies. You know what to do. Go be unabashed. Be you.